0: His name is Nathan Lotain. Uh, together, my beautiful wife, Ashley Lotain and I lead the campus ministry. Um, I'm excited this morning to preach on what it looks like to stand firm and, and move on. Each and every single one of us in our lives, we face obstacles, we face hardships, where things come to a boiling point, and we have a decision to make. We can stand firm and move on, or we can let the worries of life wash us away. And I wanted to look like, or look in the Bible this morning and and discover what it looks like to stand firm in God's Word and move on. And before we dive into the Bible, I wanted to share a story with you guys. So I was in high school, I was probably around the age of 16, and I was sitting with my buddies, and it was the Sunday before Memorial Day. And we had no plan for Memorial Day, and we decided, okay, that's not okay. we got to go out and do something fun. And so we begin to brainstorm where one of the guys says, hey, we should go out and we should bike to Santa Monica tomorrow. Now, we lived in Burbank, and we didn't bike at all. So we said, okay, that's the best idea we came up with. So we started asking each other, do you have a bike? Okay, you think you have an extra one? Do we even have enough helmets? We actually didn't even have enough helmets. But that was as far as a planning went for a 16-year-old guy. And so we decided, all right, we're going to wake up tomorrow, meet at your house at 6 a.m., and we're going to bike down to Santa Monica. The bikes were horrible. They were not meant for biking. And again, we had no experience biking. So we went down. We're driving or riding through Burbank, and we hit this big hill called Barham Avenue that leads down into Hollywood. And so we're biking up this hill looking at each other going, what did we just commit ourselves to? Then you get up and over the hill, and now you're coasting, and you're looking at the guy whose idea was, bro, this is awesome. Great job. Then a buddy gets a flat tire, or his inner tube goes out, and we had invited one friend who knows stuff about bikes, and he's like, I have an extra inner tube. So there we are in Hollywood, fixing his tire, get back on, go, and we make it all the way to the Santa Monica Pier, which was 32 miles, and we just fell down onto the beach, we made it. Now, we had looked up some bus routes to get back, (laughs) because there's no way we were riding back, no. And so then we we went out, and we, we grabbed lunch, or we ate, and then we're getting ready to go back. And I wasn't in the conversation, but my buddy goes on the bus, and the lady said, well, for whatever reason, that we couldn't take our bikes on, even on the bike rack. And now we're in panic. We are stuck far from home. It's getting darker, and we don't know what we're going to do. We ended up in the Kmart parking lot, I don't even know where, going, we are stuck. We looked up, and we're like, bro, that was a horrible idea. (laughs) But it's so funny how things change, and we had to call our, our friend's dad, and he came, and we had to tear our bikes apart just so the bikes would fit in his Suburban. But... Very much so, in our spiritual lives, we go through the same things. We go through journeys, we go through hills, we get stuck, we got to fix ourselves, and we go, this is awesome. And then there are days where we look up and we go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I am stuck. So this morning, we're going to read a story where God's people find themselves led, seemingly to a dead end, and they look up wondering, what do I do from here? We're going to walk through the sandals of the Israelites and their escape route from slavery to learn more about what it looks like to stand firm and move on. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. And just to give a little bit of context of where we're at, um, the Israelites have finally gotten the green light to leave Egypt. Uh, Moses and the Pharaoh had been in some negotiations and finally from the the, the strong hand of God pressing on him through the plagues has decided, okay, you can go and you can leave. And so we're going to be picking up right as the Israelites start their journey away from slavery where they've been for over 400 years. So in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says, when the Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country Though that was shorter, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they, came, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so my point number one is be God-led. Um, and we see here in the beginning in verse 17 and 18... We see this this dynamic between God and the people where he says, hey, I see a direct route. I see a quicker way, but you're going to face opposition. So actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you around the long way out of protection. You see, so oftentimes in our lives, we are in a spiritual journey. We're trying to figure out, okay, where do I need to go? And we may know a quicker route, but God's like, no, I have a perspective that you don't. He has an eye in the sky that goes, I want to protect you so you don't have to go through harm so you can get where you need to go. I don't know if you've heard of this app before. It's called Waze. So what Waze is, um, what Waze is, oh, yeah, and that's what it does. It helps you avoid traffic. And so if I had Waze, let's say I'm driving on the 405. And I'm moving five miles an hour. Waze takes that data. They know how I'm fast I'm going. And they can even, you can report cops, you can report accidents, and you can report hazards. And so what it, it, it takes all this data and gives you the best route to get there. Now, I remember it was last year in the summer, uh, Aaron Hawkins, Dwayne Williams, and myself were going down to UCLA for a workshop to go share faith on campus and lead Bible talks. Now, we had to be at UCLA at nine in the morning. Now, if anyone knows what that means, that means traffic. The 405, Aaron plugged the address into ways and we took side streets, I think almost the entire way we were going through neighborhoods we didn't know existed and it took a back way. But you know what? The app loved us because it didn't want us to take the 405. And in the same way, God's like, I don't want you to take the 405. You're going to get dis- discouraged and turn around. <laughs> but sometimes in our pride, we think, no, I know the best route. I know the way in which I want to go. And what we really end up doing is harming ourselves. So what stops us from being God-led is our pride in thinking that we know better. I was on my honeymoon, and Ashley and I decided to go out for dinner, and she had the directions in her hand, and I was driving. And so we come up, and we got to get on the freeway, and there was two on-ramps. And I was like, honey, I'm pretty sure it's this on-ramp. She goes, no, it's actually the one right after it. I was like, no, honey, I I think it's this on-ramp. I I know what I'm talking about. So I got on the on-ramp. Oh, we're going the wrong way. And I had a decision to make. And I did what every wise man says. Honey, I've never been more wrong. And you have never been more right. She is still glowing right now. And, but we're we're so, we're so similar in our pride. We think, I know the way I want to go. I know my plan. I know my route to go where I need to go. And God's like, eh. No, you don't. I want to protect you from what you can't see, but you have to trust him in that. We're going to skip down to verse 21, but right before we do that, there's a little section kind of sandwiched in there where it talks about how Moses took the bones of Joshua and Joshua had said, "Godly, or God will surely come to your aid. And there's this element of being God-led where we look to others to be inspired, Right? Because he's thinking about what Joshua had said. Sometimes we get stuck in this trap and we think, I am the only one who's ever had this difficult journey. It's like, that's not true. There are people who have walked before us that help us guide our steps today. And also what we need to think about is, what am I doing today that someone in 20, 30 years can follow? Are they going to look back and go, okay, that was inspiring and I can use that on my own journey. But then we pick it up in verse 21. Or verse 20, sorry, it says, After after leaving Succoth, they camped um, at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And there's this element where God is always leading us. Now, sometimes I can look at this and I can go, I wish I had a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire to follow. I wish it was that obvious when sometimes we miss, well, we got the Bible, right? I mean, they didn't have that luxury back then. They didn't have everything that we have today. Like, it actually is pretty obvious. And if we deny it, it's more out of our own arrogance or ignorance than it is of there's nothing obvious to follow. See, God is the ultimate GPS. He is never wrong. There's no glitches. And he, he is always has our best intentions in mind. And we are all being led by something. That's not the question. Some, if we're not led by God, you're led by something else. You're either led by a relationship, money, a job, your career, your academics, drugs, alcohol. Something is leading you. And if you want to stand firm and move on, first you have to ask yourselves, what am I being led by? Is it my emotions? Is, what I, is it what I think is right? Or is it God? that moves us to point number two, spiritually recalculating. Um, In chapter 14, verse 1, uh, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Peharoth, between Midgol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, The Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will uh, gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When we follow God, there's this sense of recalculating, right? Sometimes we commit our lives to him. We go, okay, God, I'm going to follow everything you say. Then he goes, all right, take a U-turn. I'm like, what? That makes no sense. Like, put yourselves in the shoes of Moses and the Israelites. So I've been in Egypt for over 400 years. We finally escape. And now you want us to turn around and bait the people we left into chasing us. And God's like, yeah. I would be like, you're insane. We finally got out. There's no way I'm going to turn around once we've made it this far. But you see, God's plan is so far above ours. And I have to ask myself, Why did they just do it? Well, God has a comment in there and he's like, I'm going to be glorified. And I think for the people, that was enough. And we have to ask ourselves, is God being glorified enough to where, okay, if he wants me to do X, Y, Z, I'm just going to do X, Y, Z. I don't have to ask why. It doesn't say that they negotiated it or do we have to? They just did it. I think they heard that, okay, God's going to be glorified. I'm going to do it. So, and if you keep reading, the plan works. So Pharaoh's army sees them, his heart gets hardened, and he chases them. And I don't think it's the Israelites that wandered so perfectly that they were able to act in such a way where, okay, now we're going to go and and pursue them. Once they they followed God's direction, God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh. He was doing all the hard work. They weren't actually doing anything. All they did was follow his directions. And so for us... When we are God-led, there's going to be times where we have to be spiritually recalculated and be willing and humble enough to go, this is just what I need to do. That's going to bring me to uh, my final point, which is stand firm. And so picking up in chapter 14, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, I will serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. And the deliverance of the Lord will bring you uh, today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And so you see this interaction where they follow God all this way. Then they get led to the Red Sea. So now they feel like, okay, I'm stuck. I have an obstacle in front of me. And I have an army behind me. And there's nowhere to go. And now, based off the circumstances, what are the Israelites doing? Why are we doing this? It was better for us to be in slavery than to be here, led by God. And they kind of double back and forget about the whole motivation and the whole purpose. But you look at Moses and his response. He says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And there's this word. It's like, stand firm. It's a mindset of being deeply rooted in God's word and his promises. It's being able to go that no matter what I am facing, I am going to follow what he says, and I'm going to be faithful to him in prayer No matter how difficult. See, for us, we all face obstacles and we all have armies where we need to learn how to stand firm. Maybe we have health issues in front of us and finance issues chasing us from behind and we are just drowned. Maybe there's relationship issues and then academic issues. And we feel like I am being swallowed up by the worries of life and we get to the edge and we go and we freak out. Why are we even here? And if you, it's so interesting because you see the difference between Moses and the Israelites. They were both all in the same circumstances, but the Israelites were freaking out. And Moses is like, no, like stand firm. And you have to ask yourself, why are the two people, two groups of people in the same exact circumstances reacting completely opposite? Well, the difference was Moses had the faith to be able to say stand firm. He wasn't saying, I want to go back. He's like, no, 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 we're right where we need to be. And to be able to see that is to be able to stand firm. That Okay, no matter what, I'm okay. You know, I remember when I was in high school, when my mom got sick, I was rocked. I had next to no faith. And I remember being so, I felt sick to my stomach every day. I was bitter towards God. I didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want to open my Bible. I didn't want to pray because I was just thinking, how could you lead my family to this point? To see my parents wholeheartedly serve you, and then to see my mom sick to a point where I could hardly recognize her. It got so bad to where my my dad sent me to D.C. for a period of time because the treatments were so intense, and I was so torn up on the inside. I was the Israelites. God, do you even really know what you're doing? Why would you lead us here? You know, she got into remission. She's fully healthy today, which is a blessing. But I look at my response in the moment, and it was just because I had no faith, I was torn to shreds. I remember crying uh, in my pillow one night, just so my mom wouldn't hear me until I fell asleep. I, I was so torn up, but in a way where I couldn't really come out of it wholeheartedly. And then, about a year ago, my dad had a heart attack. And I remember running into the hospital down at UCLA And then the next morning, seeing him wheeled off into emergency surgery and seeing a man that has protected me, a man who has been strong, be so vulnerable, it hit me hard. But I remember staying in the hospital room with my mom, just praying and reading scripture. Was it difficult? Yeah, absolutely. But there was such a unique difference going, this is what it looks like to stand firm. Even in a weak point, I can have peace, and I can't really explain it. But I was able to come out of it, and this time not torn to shreds, but really, okay, I trusted God, and he delivered. We see down in 15 and 16, this is Moses, or God's instruction to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Um, he gives Moses the instructions, raise your staff and stretch your hand out over the sea to divide the water. Um. You see kind of two different sets of instructions. Moses says, stand firm, and then God says, move on. Well, it's like, which one? Yes, both. Standing firm is a mentality, and moving on is the instruction that God is giving. Now, he tells Moses, raise your staff and wave your hand. Now, in the moment, it'd be really easy to go, well, that's really silly. I'm in the thick of turmoil. Why am I going to raise my staff and wave my hand? See, God wanted Moses to do something to make a miracle. In the same way, sometimes in our lives, God's like, just do something. Do anything and I will deliver the miracle. Do you think God really needed Moses to raise his staff to split the Red Sea? He doesn't need us for anything. But sometimes he's like, I need to see a little something on your end before I'm going to split the ocean. And the truth is, we're all in a position where we're facing hard things And God's like, move on. And for us, move on, that's insensitive, right? But it's kind of like, God's saying, no, stand firm, be rooted in in my word, and move on. See, God God loves us, and he wants to protect us. And we need to all ask ourselves this morning, what do you need to move on from? What are you facing in your life? What is holding you back? Maybe this is your first time here, and, and just getting into the doors was a huge victory. Amen. Maybe you've been here for 30 years, but man, you're going through some rough stuff. And you're like, I need to learn, relearn what it means to stand firm and move on. And if you don't know what it means to stand firm, and maybe this is, you've been coming out more recently, ask someone, hey, open the Bible with me and show me what does it mean for me to stand firm and trust God and follow Him wholeheartedly no matter what the directions are. Because you go on and you, you see Moses ends up stretching his hand out, uh, and they, uh, God pushes apart the waters, and they have this clear pathway, and they escape, and it's just it's an amazing miracle. They're praising God after, and then you kind of look at all the circumstances, um, and there's been disputes that they even crossed the sea, because many thought, oh, it's not really possible because the the, the sea floor is kind of like valleys and peaks, and it's not something that you can just naturally walk across. Um, And so that was widely believed for a long time. And more recently, they found what they believe to be chariot remains of Pharaoh's army chasing behind. They found wheels. And they've also done some sonar testing. And they see that actually right where they cross, there's this one little stretch of flat land where it would be totally possible to cross. This is what it looks like And it's just like so incredible because it's like from the moment they left, God's like, no, you're not going to go this way. You're going to go around and then you're going to turn back and you're going to go. And then he puts them right at this spot. And they're like, you don't know what you're doing. Meanwhile, that's exactly where they need to be. For many of us, we're in a tough situation. Oh, you're exactly where you need to be. God has put you right where he wants you. And for a great reason. And I like to think that this escape route was made when God formed the earth. That he thought, I'm going to put this right here because I know my people are going to need it. And today, we're facing issues that God's like, I had the solution a long time ago. I'm just trying to give you directions. I'm actually trying to lead you to where you need to be so you can escape from all your troubles. Because what we do is we take control and then we end up at the wrong spot. And then we go, see? This is what happens. Where God's like, no, if you followed me, I would have led you right where you need to be. And so for each and every one of us, when we get stuck and we get overwhelmed, we need to remember that God is actually leading us. And he has this set of data that we don't know, that we can't compute, because he sees all and knows all. Um, so, let's be God-led, humble to redirection, stand firm, move on. And let's see God be glorified in the end of it all. Let's stand for one final song.